Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm so excited for our guest today. She is so flipping awesome, you guys. We got to meet at the co-working space, uh, gosh, months and months and months ago. And I'm finally so excited to get to have her on the show because she is going to talk about something that's really important. It's so, so, so important. And we were just chatting before we started recording that people don't know how to have a true, honest conversation anymore. Like they just, they don't. And from a productivity perspective, when you are not having honest, upfront, transparent conversations, not just with your team or your clients or your family, but all of those things. And it takes so much energy and time and effort and hurt and heartbreak. If you tell like one little white lie that can just turn into something else, just because you don't want to have an honest conversation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Angela. And I can't believe we're, we're finally reconvening after meeting at the co-working space. So it's good to see you. I know, but I feel like because you are in a group with some other women that I also am in other groups with. And so I feel like I kind of know like what's been going on because all the girls, it's kind of like, oh my God, Lauren's doing this and this and this. And so it's like fun to keep up with you through them. And then also like on social media too, it's like, I feel like I know people, you know, through through the other women that we are all connected with. So it's, it's awesome. I'm so excited today, but before we dive in and talk about how to have an honest conversation and why it's such a flipping struggle, I'd love for you to take us back. I know that you were a teacher and I know some of your background, but for everyone that's listening, I'd love for you to share with them a little bit about who you are, what your journey's been, how have you gotten to where you are today? Yeah. So I think more than anything, yes, I was a former teacher and I taught for 13 years in public and private schools in New York City and in Nashville, which is where I'm from. And ultimately, when I think back on my journey and who I am, I am a learner and a teacher at heart. I'm the oldest of four siblings and my mom had us four and five years. And so she always said that, you know, I taught, um, my siblings along the way. And I love it. As to that. So sweet. I know. And so when I think about being a learner and teacher, and we actually have talked about that too, our love of learning and just figuring things out and teaching other people how to do it. What I've realized over time was that I was also a dreamer. Um, but for so long, I wasn't dreaming and I wasn't living into my purpose and potential. 
Um, and just kind of to take you back a little bit, you know, I was a kid growing up um, in a Southern family and came from a, uh, just a love of athletics. So a lot of my joy came from sports early on and I was um, a nationally ranked swimmer, but like as those accomplishments were um, adding up, I really took to other people's expectations and their timelines, comparisons of where I needed to be. And it really instilled in me this sense of perfectionism Mm. and fear of failure. And what that had me do was really play small, underperform, and I was stuck in a rut for a really long time. And I share that because in those moments and in those decades of living like that, I had a ton of feelings that I did not talk about um, because I thought that it would be a burden for other people to hear or Mm -hmm. that it was not okay to be anything but smiling, and I am a smiler, but anything but smiling and perfect. And so when I really started to think about, you know, what do I care about and how am I showing up? And when I was teaching these students and not showing up authentically, not being honest and letting them kind of see me, um, I realized that that was actually impeding their success and their journey. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that as a teacher, um, I had this kind of moment of how do I start to show up more honestly? Um, and so in that teaching moment, I realized that I was sitting around the table with other coworkers and we were having these same conversations and we were talking about the same problems and we were not talking about solutions. We weren't being bold enough to actually put into action some changes and try new things. And it became frustrating for me. Um, And as a learner, someone who would go to professional development conferences and learn a lot and then come back to the school and then be told that's not going to work here or we can't do that right now, um, I began to get really frustrated in not being able to apply what I was learning. And so in these honest conversations, it actually really happened in my personal life um, first. And then I started to kind of push in the professional life. But um, I started having these conversations and I'll actually share one. I'm sure they'll love this if my family listens to this. I can't wait. (laughs) They're going to be like, can you maybe not share all the personal stories? But But that's what makes it real and raw. (laughs) You know what? I think, I think they'll be okay with this. Um, And you know what? We're better for it if we can create these honest spaces. So like for me, um, growing up in that family, where, you know, perfectionism was really kind of a pinnacle piece of who we were. Uh, we were emotionally avoidant. Um, and I really internalized that as being conflict is bad. And like, if we have these feelings, that is bad. And rather than seeing conflict as an opportunity for growth and connections. And so what happened was I actually had a conversation um, with two of my family members because we just weren't operating at our best. There was some unsaid tension um, and things going on. And so I decided to just take the risk Mm -hmm. and have the conversation, reveal the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Angela, what happened was it actually improved the dynamic of our family. It wasn't that it wasn't uncomfortable having that conversation. It wasn't that emotions weren't charged. They were. 
but we worked our way through it. We revealed our truth um, and we came away with some next steps. And I had like, was like, whoa, this stuff. Wow. And it's the same thing in the workplace when we have those connections. And as a teacher, I started to sit around um, and have these conversations with my team. And we started to push the boundaries of what was possible. And that's really where that opportunity came where wasn't in the habit of asking for things. I was much more of a life happens to you person versus you create the life you want at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what happened was this opportunity presented itself. Um, and instead of doing what I normally would have done, which was play it small, I actually asked for the opportunity. And I asked my boss to start um, a summer teachers institute, which I created the opportunity, created the programming, And I had teachers come to this summer learning experience where honestly what we did was we pushed and innovated and solved problems that then impacted our um, teaching experience and how we were creating the experience for students. And that was a little seed that led me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I started my business, it was really about creating an opportunity for teachers to innovate culture and curriculum. And I quickly learned that leadership needed a lot of help. Yes. Being a culture where people could have these honest conversations. So really all in all, I realized that I created something that I personally needed, um, both as a, in my personal life and in my professional life. And that was a place where people could have these honest conversations, whether it's just with themselves or with other people. Um, And it allows us to reach our potential and possibility. It's the growth place of innovation and creativity and collaboration and all those great things that actually make going to work awesome. Yeah. It's funny because if so many entrepreneurs that I talk to, especially in the podcast, and if you ask them, like, why did you create that? I I bet you, I would say 95%, and I, I mean, all of us, it's like, we create something out of a need that we had because we know other people need it as well. And that's where like most companies are born is because of that why. And then it just serves the passion. And if you're using your own product and it's making you happier and it's helping you, you know, it's going to help others. But I do have a question, like what was the day like? Like, did you gradually decide like, okay, I'm going to stop teaching on this date this year, and I'm going to start my business? Or did something happen that pushed you out of teaching? And you were kind of like forced into like, okay, now is the time for me to start my business. Like, what did that transition look like? And how did that feel? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Um, (laughs) Because one, I had what I call a God moment. Uh Uh-huh. And the, the God moment was, you're going to need to start a business. And it took me, I think, two years from that moment to actually go and do it. Because I was like, who am I to go start a business? Like, I am a social work major. Um, a went to Teach for America, got my master's in teaching, and I'm a teacher. I don't know anything about business. I've only worked in schools and nonprofit area. And, but I knew that voice and I was like, oh no, 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 not yet. Um, 
And once again, that's kind of back to that perfectionism, playing it small, fearful of making mistakes. But in building that Summer Teachers Institute, it was the seed that was like, wait a minute, you can do something and you can build it from the ground up. So it was almost like my prototype for the business in building my own confidence. Um, But I also really wanted that to be my full-time job in the organization that I was working with because Mm -hmm. it was safe. But what happened was we had our own culture change and shifts happening in leadership that I knew was going to prolong that being my next professional opportunity. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had a lot of momentum with the Institute that I had built. Um, There was a lot of energy. There was a lot of good things happening, but I just knew that I was going to miss this opportunity. And so in the leadership changes that were happening at the organization that I was working with, I actually, there was an interim leader kind of a stand in and I was going in to negotiate my next year and what that was going to look like. And I had three options that I felt really good about. One was to continue teaching, but to do some of this on the part-time um, and I could add value, you know, had all of that listed out this way, this way, this way. And then I had another one, which was my third option was just, you know, maybe it's time to part ways. And I did not have a client. I had registered as an LLC and it was just sitting there on the side, hadn't even started the business officially, but I'd bought a domain registered mm-hmm. as an LLC and nothing. Um, First for, step though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just needed to make it a little bit real. Um, and I walked into this meeting and the first thing that was said to me was, you know, you have been hired just to be a teacher. And well, I thought, kind of a rude statement. Like how, how did you take that? Well, once again, in my God moment, um, <laughs> for the meeting, I didn't know which option I was going to choose, but I had all these, I thought we were going to kind of talk through them and negotiate and have a, just an honest conversation about what's the best path for me professionally and then also what's the best path for this organization and how I can add value and so (laughs) I was told you know you're just a teacher and in all honesty I had had a lot of shame about choosing the teaching profession Mm -hmm. Um, you know my dad always said I should go to law school and do all these other things and um, there was always kind of like oh maybe this isn't enough And I had just finally gotten used to being a teacher and thought, you know, I'm really good at this Um, and I really enjoy it. And I have found kind of this way to impact adults and students and families and it felt really good. And so when that comment of you're just a teacher, which hit on sort of that shame Mm -hmm. early on in my career, I went, you know what, this place isn't for you. Yep. You've outgrown it. Um, If they can't see the potential and also what you've contributed for years and built for this organization, then like this is time to go and do your thing. So I, Angela, needed the door to almost be closed in my face. Yep. Me to take the risk. And it wasn't closed. I had an option, right? But the option was to go backwards. Mm -hmm. And so that was a real like sliding door moment in terms of which direction do I go? Do I go play it safe? And I go back to what I've been doing, knowing that I've been playing small? Um, Or do I take this opportunity to say, you know what, I don't have any clients. And um, gosh, this was probably February 
mm-hmm. of 2018. And I was going to be working through July, 2018 through for that, um, organization and not really able to build the business on the side because I, my time was pretty tied up and I needed to network. So I walked away in July without a single client. And I think a week or two later secured my first one. So did you know though, like when you left and you started your business, did you know that you needed to focus on helping corporations and other teachers and other schools, like how to have these honest conversations? Or is that something that kind of evolved over time as you started to get more clients? It evolved because I thought that I was going to be hired by leadership to come in and teach teachers a framework for how to innovate. And I used design thinking, um, which is popularized out of Stanford's Deed School um, and IDEO, which is a design firm. And it's a process for innovation. It's honestly kind of like prototyping and scaling different parts of your business. Um, I thought I was going to do that. And I walked in and this first client that I'm still very thankful for because they hired me and they kept me afloat um, for the first six months. But I realized their leaders didn't know how to institute change management. So they knew that they wanted people to be more creative and to think outside the box, but they didn't know how to cast a vision and then how to have conversations to hold people accountable um, to what that vision and what that process would look like. And so I was having to coach on the side and another client via um, a referral came into my life and they said to me with my original business idea, which was to help teachers innovate culture and curriculum. So a new culture was a little bit of the problem, Mm -hmm. but I realized the extent this other client came in and had um, a very like storied corporate career. And I told him what I was doing and he goes, you know, that's great, but my own leadership team doesn't work well together. And we have very different definitions of what our vision and our values are. And that looks different in how we're doing our work every day. Could you come and do a, like a values and behaviors workshop? Cause they wanted me to turn their values into daily behaviors. And mm-hmm. I was like, honey, you should say that I'm having to side coach this other client in doing that. So sure. Let's start there. And one of their values was courageous. So I go in and there's this, you know, executive leadership team. And they're operating multiple schools. So I've already kind of moved quickly past the sixth grade classroom that I was in, um, you know, a few months prior. And one of their values being courage or courageous, um, we operationalized all those behaviors through storytelling and different exercises that we took them through. And at the end, I said, you know, I want you guys to evaluate yourself on the behaviors we talked about today. I want you to evaluate each other. And then I want you to have courageous conversations around whether you are doing these things or you're not doing these things. And the CEO calls me the next day and he's like, can you come back and do a courageous conversations? Hmm, that's amazing. And Angela, mind you, I've had this conversation with my family members that has like changed the dynamics of how we live and um, operate with each other. I've been doing this in my personal life and I'm like, well, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) And, you know, I'd said it table after table where leaders shut down a conversation and I felt like I was working in cultures where we weren't talking about the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. and 
really reached frustration points in my prior workplace. And I probably didn't handle them very well once I reached those um, frustration points because there was no room and space or skill set in those organizations to have those conversations. So this was my opportunity to like now do what our, my entire business is because I am still working with that organization. We have worked with that executive team, all six of their schools and their entire staff of 350 plus people teaching them the honest conversations framework and mm. giving them the tools and giving them the space to have these conversations. And it is shifting their culture. It's helping people learn who they are and showing up more authentically. Um, and I remember a new hire this summer on one of our new hire trainings, just to catch them up on what we had done. We ended and they go, wait, is this like really how this place works? Like we get to like say what we need to say and have these conversations. And like, that's so freeing. And I was like, yes, this is what your workplace has committed to you. Um, and now we work with companies and schools because people are people. Um, and this is a skill that liberates, empowers people to show up honestly. And it does, like you said, save time, it saves energy and it saves heartbreak. I would love for you to share because I know that there you have this great process that helps people have honest conversations and also as women, and it's funny, I saw this really funny TikTok the other night where they were talking about masculine and feminine energy and how men communicate. It's just like, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? It's like straight line communication. It's like, uh, let's meet at Buffalo Wild Wings 730. And then two girls having the conversation, you know, two women, it's like, well, I got my hair done and I don't like it. And it's like this like messiness of conversation, but it's like, and then when you put emotion into it and then you put culture into it and then you put learning and then entrepreneurship and then you put business and employees and team members, like it just can get really, really fuzzy sometimes. But there has to be some type of a process to help people, no matter what situation you're in, to have an honest conversation. Like what is, can you share with us like some of the keys without like giving everything away. Um, yeah. Like what, what are some tips? Like what is the process to just do, have that honest conversation? So two things as you were just sharing um, that we talk a lot about with our clients. And first off, especially in the workplace and when we're giving and receiving feedback, I'll quote Brene Brown. I think it's like clear as kind and unclear as unkind. So Boiling it down to say what you really need to say is important. Um, so sometimes it is okay to get very succinct with your language when you're giving and receiving feedback. And then secondly, this is where we start with clients because one of the barriers that people will have when um, they're thinking about doing this work, they're like, oh, feelings and emotions, like we, we just don't need to waste our time with that. And here's the thing, we are humans. Whether we like it or not, we operate from our feelings. We don't operate from our facts, data, analysis systems as much as I would like for that to be the case. And I really tried hard for a lot of years for that to be how I could operate. But what we have is feelings about 
the facts, the data, the analysis, and the systems. So when we can actually own that we're human and that we are driven by feelings, emotions, which then create stories for us, that's when we can really start this work. And that's just sort of a precursor. It's a foundation. We have to repeat it all the time because I so often will hear with clients, they're like, oh, that doesn't matter to me. I'm like, well, given that you've said X, Y, Z, I think it does matter to you. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how you feel. And it's pretty eye-opening. Like one of the things is, is getting attuned to our emotions and really kind of building that. So I'll walk you through a little bit of our process. And it won't give it away because we really, we have a pretty nuanced and a lot of things, but I think it will help people. I think the first thing to do, and this is what we do when we move into our honest conversations workshops with teams is that we have to unpack our definition and our beliefs about what healthy communication is. And so we simply ask like, what is healthy communication to you? And we share that out because everyone has a different belief and understanding and experience around communication. And then we unpack what are our views and assumptions are about conflict. And that means just even the word conflict, what does that conjure up for you? Like Angela, when I say conflict, what's your like gut feeling? Oh my gosh. Like what I immediately go to with conflict is, um, I mean, just today it's like, and, and I'm like a big horoscope person too. I'm like, Hmm, how should I handle this today? (laughs) But it mainly right now is just like my family, like, oh my gosh, like my niece who's in college and like, she can't get along with my sister who's her mom. And, you know, I'm trying to like run interference and I'm like, why does there have to be so much negative conflict if we could just all communicate and get on the same page, but we think so differently that I've come kind of to the point to where it's like, I just give up. It's like, I'll have my relationship with my niece. I'll have my relationship with my sister, quit trying to fix it. And it, but it's just, it's what it comes down to. And I know what it comes down to, like as a therapist and a business owner, it just comes down to clear communication and and telling the truth, being transparent and having an honest conversation. And for some reason, my sister and my niece, like they just can't tell the truth to each other, like a mom and a daughter. And like, I didn't have that relationship with my mother. Like we had a good relationship. And so when people are like, what conflict? I'm like, my God, it's just between you know, you get all the girls together, but it's not that way in my business at all. It just seems like family drama, I guess. that That's what I think today of conflict. <laughs> totally. And like when I hear you talking to you, just like the energy drain that that causes. God, yes. And you hit on something too, mm. not to coach you in this moment, but to think about what boundaries do I need to set so that I can get out of the way and people can figure it out for themselves. Right. Like, yeah. Like with my niece and my sister, as much as I want to fix it, as much as I like honor, you know, the truth and maybe too, like what they need to do is hold space for one another's truth without Mm -hmm. consequence or, um, you know, sometimes I think we, we want it to look a certain way and we can't hold our truth and someone else's in the same, you know, space. And guess what? Two truths can exist. Um, 
and I have to like think about that all the time, but it's so interesting when we sit around like with a leadership team and talk about like what is healthy communication and what is conflict because everyone has such different experiences that inform their answers. And it's actually pretty eye-opening for people to see their team and what they're saying and then kind of connect it to how they're working together um, and go, oh, I didn't realize that that's how that person sees conflict. So when I give like really succinct feedback and it's pretty, you know, direct, that's why maybe they don't receive it very well because of this experience earlier in their life and how mm-hmm. they see conflict. So it really does impact like how we show up and then understanding too, um, and this would be interesting work for like all three of you guys, um, but like knowing what your triggers are and what's behind God, them, yes. Right? And so like the fight, it's the basics, the fight, flight, and freeze. Like what are the topics or the people that make me respond in certain ways. And so like, for example, for me, on certain topics, I result in like fighting. And sometimes that's where my ego is at play. Um, I am a big proponent for social justice. So if someone's saying something that hinders that, I can kind of go into fight mode, which we know actually does not get the result that you want. Um, but then there are some things around like the perfectionism or I'm not enough. And if someone gives me feedback where it feeds into that, I freeze and I kind of mm-hmm. just shut down. And so just recognizing what those are and sharing those are as a team. And by the way, all of that is very vulnerable to be sharing, but it's also very eye opening. and then going into the actual framework. So like, I need to have an honest conversation I think understanding what your intention is, is really important. So for me going into that family discussion, my intention was we, I want to improve this because we cannot continue on as we're, can, we're going. Like this path is not going to be fun for our family and when we're all together. And so my intention is to put it on the table and just see what your perspective is. And so coming in and setting that intention is really important. It could be in the workplace. I want to put, I need to talk to you so that we can work better together. Um, Then here's the big stuff. It's separating the facts from the emotions. And so that's really hard for sometimes, especially for women. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, I would push back to you for men too, because oftentimes what we do is we, say our emotions as if they're facts. Like what we're feeling about something, we make it factual. And then that's where it gets all confusing. So like the facts are what you notice and what you observe, what you hear, like they actually happen. Um, Like fact right now, my dog is lying on the floor in front of me as I'm talking to you. Fact, I'm observing it, I'm seeing it. Um, how I feel about that is a little unsettled because what if something happens and they, the dog barks <laughs> like, and we're right. That's right. Super simple idea, but like facts and emotions are huge. So fact, I walked down the hallway and my coworker, and this is pre COVID, my coworker doesn't say hello or make eye contact with me. Emotion. Oh crap. They're mad at me. They think I've done something stupid. 
and I make up this whole story and then I go tell my other coworker that so-and-so didn't look at me. And then we create this massive story that takes away what time and energy there, right? Because time spent away from doing mm-hmm. productive and energy creating a story. Instead, I could go to that person and say, hey, I noticed when you walked by and I said, hello, you didn't um, look at me. It just made me feel like something's going on. Um, and mm-hmm. was a little hurt by that. Um, imagine saying I'm hurt. It feels weird saying that, but it's pretty powerful. And that person gets literally, yeah. oh my gosh, I was prepping in my head for the meeting that I was walking into. Like I, that would be me. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. yes, totally, totally. But it's it's nothing, and I could go, oh, that's so much easier than the big story I could have made up. And I think when we're in really intense conversations, um conversations that have a lot of layered pieces, we have to understand like when we have our first honest conversation, we're not going to solve it all. So I just gave an example that's quick and easy, but ones like potentially your sister and your niece, like mm-hmm. those are going to be layered conversations. And so noticing that like the first conversation is breaking the dam and it's letting things starting to flow through and you're going to have to have to continuous conversations. Um, we always want that quick fix, but I think too, what we talk about with clients is we try to close the gap on when we're having these conversations. So, so often we walk in with a client and they need to fire someone who for years has underperformed or for years has had an attitude that has been toxic to the culture. And I'm always like, well, have you told them? And when we really dig, the answer is no. <laughs> like right. maybe the team has talked a lot about this person's behavior, but they've never been clear with that actual person and given them an opportunity to develop. And then we have this honest conversation when we have to fire someone and pardon my language, but shit hits the fan because yep. it comes out of nowhere. And then that breeds that distrust in the culture, right? Like people are like, oh, wow, that could happen to me. And there's these stories that carry through. And so really thinking about, especially, honestly, workplace or home, it doesn't matter, but especially in the workplace, can we close the gap on when we have these conversations, when we notice a behavior that is not culturally aligned, it's not values aligned with our organization, and we need to have that conversation sooner than later so that we give people an opportunity to course correct. And then here's the last practice. Yes, tell me. Well, the last part is practice, practice, practice. Like actually with as a team, use fake scenarios. We actually use real scenarios from people's workplaces. um, And we work through those. And it's an at-bats kind of thing. The more you do it, the more skilled you'll get at it. You won't necessarily get less uncomfortable, but you'll see the Mm -hmm. value in doing it. I think one thing that could really change, like you said, the dynamic, like if I went into the conversation and said, which I'm trying to think back, I'm like, have I done this or have I not done this? Um, It's like so much arguing and so much gets lost in text message. This is why I don't like text and email. 
And so I like to Marco Polo so people can actually like see my facial reactions. But if I'm going into kind of like an uncomfortable conversation or a conflict conversation where I know that it's going to be a conflict, just by saying like my intention. So, so I'm going to ask your advice. Like, so my sister, she always thinks she's like, you're always dogging me. You think I'm a bad mom and you're not even a real mom and you don't. And I'm like, I never said you're a bad mom and I'm never dogging you. Like I'm here to support you and I'm trying to help you with your children. And if your children come to me and say, well, mom's always mad at me and she ignores me and then she doesn't talk to me for days. That's not teaching your children how to actually communicate through difficult times. And so let's talk about this because in the real world and in the business world, You've got to teach your kids how to communicate through difficult conversations. You can't go days and days and days, which is what my sister does, um, and, and not talk about it. Like that would drive me crazy. It's like, let's sit down, let's have a, an adult conversation. So, you know, I've said to her, I'm not here to dog you. I'm not here to upset you. I'm here to help. I'm trying to, I am trying to fix it. I just want everybody to get along. I'm like, can't we all just get along? And so, but if I go in and say my intention is to have better communication and to strengthen our family versus saying, I'm not here to, which I find myself like now that I'm talking through it, I'm, I feel like I'm like always defending myself. Like I'm, I'm, I go into it and say, I am not here to put you down or dog you as a, as a mother. I'm not trying to take your place. I really want us to talk through a healthy conversation so that we can all feel better and we can all be on the same page about a few of these situations. Like, what's the right way to do it? Like, because I feel like I'm on the defense all the time. Like, and, and people make so much shit up in their heads. Like you were even saying like you did it, you know, like in, in the beginning of the conversation where like you're in this room with people and they're judging you and thinking that like being just a teacher is not good enough. And so we make things up in our head, but it's like a therapist told me like, just mirror them back. So if they're saying, you know, you're attacking me or you're dogging me and like mirror them back. No, I'm not dogging you. That's not mine. But what's the right way to say it, to get them to like open up so that people don't shut down before you even start the conversation? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, when you're, when you're in the heat of the moment and you find yourself being defensive of, of naming that and taking a pause. You know, I, right now I'm, I'm feeling defensive because I so want to fix this. And so I'm digging in and maybe we need to just take a time out and come back and revisit this because we're probably not going to be productive in this conversation right now. And just taking that time because what's going to happen is you're going to actually, what you're doing right there, you're in the fight mode, right? The fight flight, mm -hmm. not fight mode. Um, and what happens in that is sometimes we go to places we, that aren't going to be productive and that are actually going to harm the relationship more than they're going to help, even though we're so fixated on fixing the problem. But I think in taking that time out, one you can say, let's come back. And this is part of that next steps in a conversation. Like, let's come back tomorrow and just have that conversation. And you actually started to dig into a really positive intention um, when you were talking out loud of, 
you know, I want to have this conversation so that, you know, we can strengthen our family and that we don't have to feel that we're always coming up and butting heads together. I would love to be able for you to feel supported um, in this relationship and in raising your kids. So I'd love to have a conversation to just see how we can do that better together and just start it that way. And honestly, if you wanted to, you could quickly just like, how do you see it? And that's part of our framework too, after unpacking that fact and emotion is like asking for that perspective and giving that other person the ability to say like, here's how I'm experiencing our relationship. And your sister's saying, you know, I feel like you're always dogging me and your response being like, tell me more about that. What does that feel like for you? What it, in that moment, what am I doing to make you feel that way? Or what am I saying? And you're asking mm-hmm. those questions. And I think what would be interesting too, because it may not be actually something you're saying or doing, it may be that internal belief for your sister. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't feel um, you know, effective as a mom. And mm-hmm. You're, you are mirroring that to me, right? Like that's triggering me. And so I'm feeling like I have to defend that. And so just getting into an honest conversation where you can get to sort of those unpacking those beliefs. And then for you, why do I feel the need to step in and fix it? And I don't know the whole dynamic, but really getting to the core of that and sharing mm-hmm. that with your sister and then starting to just build or rebuild that relationship and that trust of like, we're going to partner together in this. Like we want to show up in our family and for it to feel like whatever you want it to feel like. Um, and for our, you know, communication to feel like whatever that needs to feel like and naming that and kind of keeping that at the focus of any conversation. But yeah, that intention of just restating when you talk about like strengthening the relationship versus, you know, coming in and then feeling defensive like to me that just softens it yeah to- do, do, do you do family therapy uh, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> like can I hire you <laughs> to just like well, come to a family session <laughs> classes yes um totally and what's hilarious is so many former families um have like asked about things like that and we are going to put some family dynamics and then communication pieces into our online courses that we are launching in 2021 and that we had talked about prior to that. So part of that is like walking through exercises and putting these frameworks in front of people so that they can use them. And we have clients at work that literally sit with the framework in front of them and they use it until they're comfortable and can not have it in front of them. And I don't think there's any shame with having some nice sentence starters in front of you to just frame your conversation and keep you focused on mutually solving the issue at hand. Well, and I also feel like too, like if you have this framework in the workplace, it can bleed over, you know, in a positive way into your personal life and then like I've had to learn that it, like if I'm driving from meeting to meeting, which I've kind of like potty trained my family now where I'm like, don't bother me during the day. And, and it is a bother because when there's conflict and negativity, like I'm trying to 
best serve my clients. I'm trying to get through the workday after the workday. And sometimes my workday isn't until 9 PM. Then, then let's talk about it. But like, don't, don't disrupt because it's like your emergency cannot be my emergency. And then your negativity, I don't want it boiling over into my workday because I don't want to go into walk into another meeting or if I'm going to teach a class or if I'm going to do a podcast or if I'm going to do a Zoom, like I don't want that negative emotion like weighing on me throughout the day. I am the person that I'm like, I, let's just sit down and talk about it. Where some personalities I know they're like, I need to absorb, I need to think, I need to walk away. And like you just said, take a break and let's come back to it. But for personalities like me, I'm like, no, let's sit down. Let's do it right now. And so I've had to really learn how to reframe and respect the other person's needs in different situations so that we both are ready to talk about it. Because like you said, it's not productive and it just, it wastes a bunch of energy that it's like, I just don't have the energy anymore for it. So this is really helpful. You're so good at this. Thank you. <laughs> well, and I will say like, I, I am not perfect in this. Like, and what's so funny is when you're teaching this and when I'm talking with clients, like I lead very vulnerably with, I mess up. Like I may mess up tomorrow or yesterday. And it's about just stepping into it the next time and doing better. Um, because once again, like we're humans, I'm going to repeat what I repeated at the beginning. And I say with clients all the time, like we operate from our emotions and our feelings and we just have to own that and we have to feel them. And then we have to tell our truth about them in productive ways. And so when we sort of slow down that process, that's why I love walking through my days and it's like fact and emotion. I'm mm -hmm. feeling something here and um, I'm aggravated or I'm frustrated because like I love efficiency. And I also like, I already have my plan for my day like you and <laughs> you know, it's like everything is mapped out, everything is organized. And so when something comes in and throws it off kilter, that's frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I need to check myself on it and give people time and throw my schedule to the wind. And then other times it's a boundary. Mm-hmm. And it's communicating, hey, in my workday, like I really want to be focusing from this time to this time. Here's what's going on. Would love to talk to you at whenever's convenient on your schedule. You know, like yeah, really just kind of putting those boundaries in place um, because otherwise people don't understand like why you're asking them mm -hmm. um, or telling even. But I do, I think like, I have to say that because what's so funny about this work is it is so convicting for me and like, I, I bet so accountable, um, so often, but it's also been the most freeing. Um, and I should also say to you, like you mentioned, like the family stuff, when we've been working in the workplace, what's so interesting, I've, I've seen teams who were sitting there talking about work scenarios and how to have honest conversations. But someone in that room, and I'm thinking of a very specific team, one time said, and this is a team that was not very vulnerable, <laughs> probably the least vulnerable member of the team. And he pops up and says, you know, I just need to say something here. He goes, I know we're supposed to be talking about work. 
but I have this situation with my parents right now. And that's the honest conversation that I need to have. And he like talked through it. And I kid you not, the rest of the team and what someone said out loud, they're like, I had no idea that that was something that we were dealing with. Wow. Wow. That just like, that is a lot. And the empathy and the connection that came from that conversation, like it changed the dynamic of that team. I bet. To communicate and collaborate and do their work better. But it took that personal story to open up the floodgates. And what's also interesting, and we always, we do a lot of data collection. And so a lot of I love surveys, it. you know, of workshops. And we do, we, our entire engagement with a client starts with a culture study, actually understanding where they are with like surveys, interviews and observations. And so a lot of our post-workshop surveys, people will say, you know, this is a skill that while my workplace is investing in it, it is going to impact my personal life and my professional life. Like this feels like I'm being invested in as a person not just a worker. And I had no idea, Angela, that that was what I was doing. <laughs> like I like I was there yep. to work better. Really cuz at the end of the day, I'm still got perfectionist tendencies. I'm a one on the enneagram. Um like you, I'm going to get shit done kind of person. So, yep. like, wait a minute. Like that is what the value is here. Um mm-hmm. I I don't know. My, my dream was too small. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're finally in the, the place, like you are where you belong right now? Yes. It definitely helps put into perspective, like how to answer some of those hard questions. Cause there's some young entrepreneurs that I, I mentor and they don't know their purpose. They don't know what their passion is yet. And that's okay. I didn't know either in my twenties, I was still trying to figure it out, but those times are really important because it helps shapes you into who you are today. I love that. And that resonated a lot because I think to some of my disconnect or not disconnect, the discontent I felt really in my teaching career at times were things that while I was good at them, it wasn't really authentic to me. And what I love about owning your own business is owning your time and owning what you create and what you put out there. And so it makes sense as to why, you know, I did feel some of what of that discontent. I am a learner. Um, mm-hmm. and I always have been. And it was actually what drove sort of some of the innovative things I did as a school teacher. And then, you know, not oftentimes are people school teachers and then start running businesses. I think there's probably a lot more opportunity for that actually. Um, Cause I used to yep. think I'm a teacher. How, who am I to like sit with a, you know, executive team and CEOs and do this work. And what I've realized is that your teaching background is exactly what makes me the right person to sit there and to facilitate sessions and coaching sessions. Cause it's actually what I did with kids. Um, it's the very same thing. That's awesome. Right. Like you're, you're moving people in a direction of um, their growth and purpose. And so much too of what you just said, coaching entrepreneurs about understanding their purpose, like 
the word that's been coming up for me so often, um, just I would say in, over the course of a couple years, but it's coming through too in a lot of the work that we're doing is authentic. Um, mm-hmm. When we show up authentically us and we have that self-awareness about what matters to us, what are my values? Um, and oftentimes it's hidden in your stories and your experiences in your life. Um, you start to make decisions from that place and it's really powerful. Um, and I've been doing that in my business a lot, really looking at the things that I value the most and the things that we want to create for people in terms of being able to, you know, be honest and to create connected communities and to be on this journey of continuous learning, like all my decisions kind of filter through that. It's so, so, so important. I'm so excited for when you launch your online program, (laughs) because I'm like, I know so many people that need to like sign up and learn this stuff because it will help with personal and professional development. A hundred percent. When do you anticipate to be launching or do you have a launch date yet? Oh, the inner perfectionist in me. Uh, (laughs) You just got to get it out there. Don't. And uh, we had already done sort of a a mini test. We created e-workbooks during um, our like early COVID quarantine days. Uh So we've got to just filter a lot of that over and take a lot of what we already do and just put it on there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say at least by end of quarter two. And I think that that's flexible. And we're also rebranding. So we'll no longer be designed as something new that tells a better story of what we really do, um, which is how honest conversations that transform the way that they live and work. And so, yeah, those online course dates, they'll be soon. The launch will happen. We'll do a pre-sale. Um, we'll do some codes. We'll do all of that. So Yay. I think the best way is for people to sign up for our newsletter, the design Ed newsletter so that they can be, um, or follow on social media, but especially Instagram or LinkedIn, but we will, um, give all that information there of when we're renaming awesome. and rebranding and then when we're going to launch those courses. Um, so it's excited exciting. about it because people can either do a subscription and do have access to everything so that they can do that self-awareness work um, and figure out their values and authenticity, or they can, like our conversation today, use this to have these conversations with their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if they're leading a team, um, really kind of creating that healthy and high performing dynamic for a team and walking through those exercises. So there's a lot there. Um, it'll be a combination of like video, audio, and um, exercises to walk through and probably some community building too, where people can do some monthly Q and A's with us and just um, really form that community to um, further deepen their journey and their work. Um, or they can do an a la carte workshop and just, you know, whatever floats your boat and is a need for you today. Um, you can get something like that. So I'm so excited about awesome. it. 
but quarter two. So let's just say by summer. Yay. Awesome. Well, we will put all the links in the show notes. And so definitely you're going to want to sign up for Lauren's newsletter. So we'll put that in the show notes and then go over to Instagram and LinkedIn. And you're going to want to connect so that you can follow the journey. And we're so excited about your online subscription service. And whenever you go live, let us know. We'll be happy to share it all around. And thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. This was amazing. So helpful. And thank you. And um, thanks for showing up and just being vulnerable and sharing some of what, you know, you're thinking about in terms of honest conversations, because I know that everyone um, has something in their life. And so I just appreciated just having a real conversation with you, Angela. Absolutely. This was awesome. And everybody that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye y'all. What's up GSD leaders. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I would love for you to text me your number one takeaway, any feedback that you have. And we're also starting a new series called the number one time suck, how you can be more productive in GSD and everyday life. So you can be present. So if you can help us out and let me know, just text me your number one time suck, 615-527-8755. Let's get shit done.